Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. I'm your host, Victor Pierantoni. And today on the show, we have a very special guest. We have Michelle Dillard, who is a dear friend of mine and was my wealth coach for a good period of time. And she absolutely changed my life. This episode is filled with some amazing gems of wisdom, especially in the realm of abundance. So Michelle Dillard is here to give you the blueprint for how to live an abundant life and not to do so in a way that's rigid and boring, but in a way that is actually playful and fun. Michelle has a way of gamifying life in such a way that brings her abundance and wealth in all forms. And in this episode, we get to share that with you. We talk about what it is to desire from having, which is a totally different form of desire that most people miss. But once you have this locked in, your gratitude ends up becoming the fuel for gaining more abundance and wealth in your life. We also talk about how to actually familiarize yourself in abundant environments so that you begin to normalize them in your mind rather than thinking that there's something out of reach. That way, you're able to create this as a regularity in your life rather than something that you're always striving for. Michelle absolutely changed my life. She helped me to create some of the most amazing breakthroughs that I've ever had. And I'm so, so grateful and excited to be able to share her wisdom with you on this episode. A lot has transformed and changed since the last time you were on. And I know one of the things that we were talking about today, I was showing you this new goal setting format that I had in my trainings called Dream or Dream the Path rather. And one of the first thing, what, what was interesting is that you recognize an item on there that I forgot came from you until you recognized it, <laughs> which is this idea to desire from having. Mm -hmm. So can you... Explain a little bit about what that means for somebody who's unfamiliar yeah. with that concept. Yeah. So desire from having, like mm -hmm. how often are we always focused? Like how often are we focused on what we don't have, mm -hmm. right? And it's that pain and it's from that pain that people typically want things. Mm -hmm. And the energy that they're actually living in is the energy of not having. Mm -hmm. It's the, I go out to my, my car, I see the dents or whatever, oh, I really want a new car. Mm -hmm. But if you feel the emotion of that, feel the vibration of that, it's, I don't like my car. Mm -hmm. And so that's the vibration that actually gets sent out is yeah. I don't have mm -hmm. this versus I want this. So one of the tools and ways to flip the script of that is to actively want what you have. Mm. To come from a place of gratitude and also to want things that you don't have yet mm -hmm. as if you already did. And what that does is it like magically collapses the timeline in that thing just magically appearing or it gives you the energy to take the right actions mm -hmm. to move you towards that. Because it's hard to take the right actions from a contracted feeling of lack of not having. Mm -hmm. That doesn't give you the energy to create the actions and the momentum to get you that which you desire. That's right. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we're we're discussing this now because this has been one of the most important things that I've been really meditating on and reflecting on is this idea of desire from having as well as practicing unconditional gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I I realized like not too long ago because I started doing this gratitude practice every day. 
as I read the book, The Gratitude Effect. Have you read it before? I have not. So it's it's amazing. I mean, it's it's essentially an entire book about desire from having. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> if, if we were to put that in an, in an entire book, that's what the book would be about. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, I started doing this gratitude practice, and I specifically would do the gratitude practice on areas that I felt any kind of challenge in, whether it was internal challenge or external challenge. So I originally had hired you because I was having challenges in the financial area of my life. And you helped me substantially, like completely change the way I looked at everything there. And this was just kind of like a continuation of that. So mm-hmm. I noticed I was like, my cash flow was good, like by, based on my standards. I was like, oh, this is good. But internally, I started feeling like anxious attachment to it. I'm like, oh, well, what if I don't have this next month? And what if this happens? And, what, and I'm like, okay. Let's, let's change this up a little bit. So what I started doing is I would write down like five to 10 things every day that I was grateful for about money mm-hmm. and like how money was actually serving me already. So I'd write like really simple things. I'd write how money was providing electricity and, and running water and a roof over my head and like paying the mortgage and just like things that I never normally think about because I was, I was so busy focusing on not mm-hmm. having and, and what wasn't coming in. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing this over and over every single day. And, and like I got up to like 260 something reasons that I was grateful. For. And it began as like everything that I had that was really simple. And then it started turning into being grateful for money that people around me have and what it's doing for them. And then it started be this is where it got interesting. I started becoming grateful for times I didn't have money and what I learned. Mm. And sales that didn't go through like in in those moments and like being grateful for that so i would write something like i'm so grateful that this client didn't invest in the program so that they could find something that was right for them and Mm -hmm. make room in my roster for clients that this is right for so powerful yeah so I, i started getting to that place of like grateful for all of it the stuff i have the stuff others have and the stuff that i don't have all at the same time and that unlocked something different in terms of my whole perspective around that. Yeah. Well, that's major because if you think about it, it's like you've completely reconstructed your relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about personal relationships. How would personal relationships go if you just bitched and complained all the time? (laughs) They would not go well. It wouldn't go very (laughs) well. Right. So you're like, okay, let me feed into this relationship that I have with money. Mm -hmm. And like, let me say, look at what's great about it and what I have. And this Amazing that you can extend your circle to witnessing other people having and being grateful for them them having. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole nother level and layer be- to your ability to welcome more abundance into your life mm-hmm. by witnessing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a huge shift. And I actually noticed it. Um, like its effect mainly when I would get unexpected expenses, which like no matter how much money in the past that I had or was making, like it could have been like a a whole lot that was coming in. If I had an unexpected expense, Mm -hmm. my typical reaction was one of like, Oh, can you believe this? Because growing up, I would notice my family and even family that was very wealthy freak out about like an, a thousand dollar expense when it was really like a, a drop in the bucket for them. Right. Like from an actual financial standpoint, but they would freak out as though like it was this injustice that they're, that was just <laughs> getting cast upon them. And I was like, 
that that can't be good. So <laughs> what was interesting is I noticed my immediate reaction to unexpected expenses mm. as like, oh, I'm really glad I have the money for that. Yeah. And that was consistent. Like didn't matter the amount. The, the first time it happened, it was like an out of nowhere, like $4,000 expense to treat the termites in this house before they destroyed everything. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so grateful I have that money to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to do that. <laughs> and then it was like a car. Yeah. And then like my car broke down, same thing. Like mm -hmm. I'm really grateful to have this, even though those expenses were much more than I anticipated or what I logically thought I was prepared for in those moments, mm -hmm. like based on the budgeting and everything that I was doing. So I found that response to it, like, a massive shift yeah. in like my whole reality. Yeah. That's, that reminds me of like how people interact with, with their taxes mm -hmm. and like having to pay their taxes. A, you can make it a game, mm -hmm. which is like, okay, let's see how little taxes I can play and make this fun. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to writing and sending the money, I always encourage like do it from a place of like excitement because if you have to pay a lot, what does that mean? What does that say about you? It means that you made a lot. Mm -hmm. And as That's a right. game, you can kind of see how you can adjust things and mm -hmm. move things here and there to make it lower. But even if it's a big tax bill, be excited about that. Yeah. Like pay that with joy. Pay that with gratitude because that means that you made a lot. And mm -hmm. the thought that's not serving people is that it's their money. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It's not. Mm. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like so that relationship <laughs> of like, it's not your money. Mm. Like if your grandma falls and goes to the hospital and if like, what do you think? Like that's actually in some ways taking care of you too. Mm -hmm. And so it's not your money to begin with. You can play a game at how much you spend because there are laws that's that help or, you know, different bills and stuff that help to encourage the behavior for certain business owners to set things up in certain ways. Mm -hmm. So it's encouragement for what's supposed to be good for the population. If you're feeling down and depressed and, um, you know, stifled mm -hmm. by the man or whatever, it's probably because you thought it was yours to begin with and it wasn't. Interesting. So like getting very identified with the amount of money that you have or that's in your bank account and right. thinking that it's somehow being taken from you and exactly. having that narrative around it right. is what essentially would mess somebody up in that. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thought process around what is actually theirs versus mm -hmm. what isn't theirs or what how to think about it proactively on the front end so you're prepared on the back end. That's fascinating. I know mm -hmm. that you've always like looked at money as a game and I think the way that you define it is going to change your entire relationship with it, mm -hmm. right? If somebody looks at it very serious and rigid and like this mm -hmm. like dire thing, then they're totally. not going to have a great time with it. Yeah. And even when they have a lot, they're going to be like really rigid about mm -hmm. it. Like mm -hmm. I think you, you talked about it in our last episode. What'd you call those broke rich people? Yes. <laughs> yes. Broke rich people. Yes. yes. People who have money, but they still have the mentality of being broke. Mm. And so they constrict it. And it's, mm. if you think about rivers flowing on the earth, if you think about the blood moving through our veins, like this is just money is the same thing. Money is an energy and it needs to flow. It needs to circulate. Mm -hmm. But when people hold on to it with a tight grip, it doesn't circulate and that leads to toxicity, really. Oh, Financial yeah. toxicity. Yeah. I, what, I, what I find really interesting about this too is that I noticed that, at least in my understanding, is that money is a symbol for value that we exchange with each other. It's like crystallized yeah. value 
And the value is anything that meets our needs consistently. Mm-hmm. As human beings, we have, we're impermanent and sensitive creatures, if you will. <laughs> and because of that, we have needs that need to be consistently met. So it serves as the, that f- to help our lives function in essence. And so when I think about that, it's like the money itself is not inherently valuable. And this was a really important lesson. Actually, one of the ones I wrote down for the gratitude of times where I didn't have or cash flow mm-hmm. wasn't flowing in, which was in all of those times, there was never a night that I went hungry. Mm-hmm. The electricity always stayed on and I always had water. And so what I realized in that moment, as I was like writing this one down, is that all of my needs were met. Mm-hmm. The only thing that wasn't like that wasn't aligned with my narrative was the actual dollar amount that was coming in. Cause I was giving it all of this significance, all of this meaning that it didn't actually have. So it was taking me out of the present instead of realizing like what I actually have now, mm-hmm. which was such a like, holy shit, like aha moment <laughs> that I right. had with myself is like, sometimes we fail to recognize what is already right in front of us. And a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and what's really fascinating is I'm, I'm reading um, Comfort Crisis right now. Oh, and that's on my list. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he talks about that as, um, you know, these scientists did a, a lot of research on it, mm-hmm. on do, do people, if you think about our human evolution, we've always had challenges, mm-hmm. like real challenges, survival challenges. So our biology is, is has been so equipped and evolved to handle challenges. Now, what happens in the absence of actual real survival challenges? Mm-hmm. We start making shit up. Yes. <laughs> For funsies. We make problems. Yes. For funsies, yes. Right? <laughs> right? It's like, oh, okay, my house is paid for. I've got electricity. Mm-hmm. I've got food. I've got water. But this not enoughness now seems that, you know, like, oh, I don't have exactly how much I want to have feels like detrimental. Well, no, that's just because... Our biology is equipped to look for problems. Mm -hmm. We are designed to look for problems. And when we don't, this is actually why I've started designing problems on purpose. Mm. Like problems with purpose. This is is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad you're talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) Because it gives us a range, right? Mm -hmm. It's like people's range is jacked up. Mm -hmm. Their range, because we've gotten so comfortable that we create problems out of not problems. Mm -hmm. That's right. (laughs) So in order to circumvent that or to course correct that, we have to actually be pushing ourselves in some way. Mm -hmm. Like design challenges. Like you do jujitsu. Yes. Like that is, for me, that was one of the most challenging things. It's it's still challenging. Grappling for four hours. (laughs) Like what? Uh, I did a I did a training and and that was I realized coming out of that training I was like wow everything else in my business in my life seems easy mm-hmm. like much more easily easy than grappling with men twice my size yes like I, okay I can pretty much do anything but that yes. <laughs> but I don't like, want to do that again. I've seen the extent of my comfort zone <laughs> yes, exactly yes and everything else seemed easier because I designed a challenge. Mm-hmm. I have something that is pressing the edges so I don't create problems for myself. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I um, I love that you bring this up because I always, whenever I'm teaching about goal setting with people mm-hmm. or just about what our purpose is, in essence, is that human beings, we are 
creatures of adaptation, right? So we need something to adapt to. And I recently read a book um, called The Wedge, where he talks about that health is not just like eating right and working out. Like that's like a piece of the equation. Mm -hmm. But our health as human beings also depends on adapting to challenging environments, Mm -hmm. which is why like being in the cold, you know, doing cold plunges has so much benefits or being in a sauna has so much benefits. Mm -hmm. So he essentially talks about how in order to actually achieve our potential in health, it's not just about eating right and working out, but it's also challenging ourselves from an environmental standpoint and like creating Mm -hmm. those different environments. What's also interesting though, is that when I teach this to clients, I always say like every human being is climbing their own metaphorical mountain. And every single one of them either is either consciously decides the mountain that they're climbing or they just kind of allow it to come into their lives while being unintentional about it, which is why they're working on some challenge that doesn't mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. But some of us are climbing the mountain of maybe trying to be the best parent we can or uh, being a business owner or really perfecting our health Mm -hmm. or our spiritual journey, whatever mountain somebody decides to climb. And when we set those goals we are unconsciously calling in the challenges or designing the problems that we are going to overcome so that we can become Mm -hmm. the person that we're going to be, right? Yeah. I think the meta of goals is that we're always just wanting to set ourselves free a little more on the path. Mm -hmm. So if we don't choose what that's going to be, then we're essentially leaving it up to like chaos to choose for us, like just like randomness in in reality. And it shapes our whole, you know, it tells us what's important. It causes us to notice what we notice and then it projects out those challenges into our lives. So I think problem design. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing strategy. <laughs> it's a great way to, to go about it. And I, and I like to always do that mm-hmm. in correlation to what is, what is my growth right now? Mm-hmm. Like really how growth in itself is not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. Growth is something that we're all going to do. Mm-hmm. Like we all grow, just like you said, where you either, you have a mountain, you're going to climb it, like mm-hmm. pick the mountain, mm-hmm. but there's always a mountain. Correct. It's just like growth. It, yeah. it is growth. It's the mountain of growth that we are always evolving. Mm-hmm. Just what are we evolving to? And is it intentional? And is it conscious? Like, are we doing, are we choosing what we're moving towards? Mm-hmm. And the problem design, mm-hmm. being able to use that on purpose, because you know that you're going to create problems if you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. So create problems on purpose mm-hmm. with purpose and be able to design that into your life in a way that you're like, OK, I'm going to be uncomfortable regardless. Mm-hmm. How do I want to be comfortable? Do I want to be uncomfortable? How do I want to be uncomfortable? Do I want to be uncomfortable moving towards my goal mm-hmm. or do I want to be uncomfortable because my I got to get a new pant size up? Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. how do you seek yeah. your comfort when you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and can you lean into being more uncomfortable more often? And that's like, that's the strategy. Mm-hmm. That's the strategy of the problem. How do I want to design my problem and what goal and objective am I going towards? Because just like you said, mm-hmm. the goal then presupposes if you want to climb a high mountain, mm-hmm. you're going to have some ridges. Yeah. You're going to have a steep incline. You're going to have a long journey, right? Mm-hmm. And so design the problems that are going to make you stronger, that mm-hmm. are going to make you quicker, that are make, going to make you more agile yeah. for where, you know, the, the mountaintop that you're climbing. That, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of something that I'll usually share with clients and students is this idea of, 
pray for your own strength, right? Sometimes when people pray for things to be easier, you're actually praying for your own weakness. It's basically like picking up a 50 pound dumbbell and going, I wish this were lighter instead of saying, I wish I were stronger. stronger. Mm. Completely (laughs) different perspectives. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And when we pray for our own weakness, then we bring about more situations that essentially prove that to us, right? Because we create the story and then we want to solidify and gather evidence to make our narrative true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that you brought that up because, you know, in presupposing, Mm -hmm. like you have a big goal, Mm -hmm. you're going to have big obstacles. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize a lot of times is when they pray for virtues, like Mm -hmm. I want to be more patient or more courageous. Mm -hmm. Well, that is also presupposing challenges. Correct. Because (laughs) how do you get more courageous? Mm -hmm. How? By having to. Yeah. By having the situations where you have to. So being really intentional Mm -hmm. and like asking, okay, well, what does that presuppose? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How about I just wish I have peace, (laughs) (laughs) which doesn't need an obstacle or Mm -hmm. a challenge. Like I don't need patience to get to peace mm-hmm. right like i i always laugh especially with um moms that are like i just lord i'm praying for patience and i'm like no no no, no don't, don't do pray that, for that. <laughs> don't, just pray for what you really want that's right well if you pray for patience then what you call in is situations that is would chaos. cause you to test pa- your own patience and grow your own yeah. patience that's yeah right. yeah because those virtues are, are grown mm-hmm. by the situations that's right and i you know looping back to money and how those situations grew something in you. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a treasure. I just want to loop back around to mm-hmm. because it's such a metaphor for so many different things, which is like, sometimes it's the not having. And sometimes it's that challenge that breeds so much cultivation of virtue. Mm-hmm. So I just, I it's love true. that you brought that up. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, one thing that this this conversation brings up is the backwards law. Are you familiar with that? Mm, tell me. So backwards law was talked about by Alan Watts, then repopularized by Mark Manson when he wrote the Subtle Art mm-hmm. book. And it essentially states that the more you are desperate to become rich and wealthy, the poorer you will feel. Or the more you want to be loved, the more unattractive and unlovable you might feel. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially saying that you cannot have light without dark, up without down. Mm-hmm. And so when we ask for things, especially when we like want courage as a virtue, mm-hmm. right? By definition, courage is not the absence of fear, but it is acting in spite of the fear. Mm-hmm. It's having the fear and then acting in spite of it. So mm-hmm. oftentimes people will say things to say the right words yeah. to be virtuous and then not realize what they're asking for, what they're calling in. And the funny thing about that is that it's, we are both, we, I mean, we play so many roles in our own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I'll give this example. So I put a a video recently about how most people feel like they're always putting out fires because they're not actually breathing, right? They're not, (laughs) they're not breathing in a way that is telling themselves that they're safe. So they feel like they're putting out fires constantly because internally everything is chaotic. Mm -hmm. So this guy commented on the, on the reel on Instagram and he said, I'm the fire starter. And I responded with, we all are. Some of us just pretend not to be. <laughs> because we are yeah. both the fire starters and the fire putter outers. Right. Especially if we're unintentional and not bringing to conscious what is unconscious, what we are yeah. actually doing without realizing it because it's not approved by our egos, so right. to speak, as 
And something just as simple as breathing. Mm-hmm. It's like we've lost, just as societally, we've lost touch with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Just kind of on a bigger scale, it seems. More and more people that I'm talking to are just less and less connected to really what's going on in their bodies and, and even their breath. Mm-hmm. Just like you said. And where you breathe from and how you breathe. These things are, we're, we're not taught mm-hmm. these. We just, you know, we just think we know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I breathe. I breathe all the time. What I do bring, you mean? <laughs> breathe my upper shoulders up here. Yeah. Well, that, okay. <laughs> That yeah. kicks off a whole nother series of, of things for your nervous system, just like you said, because you're actually, it puts you in that a little bit more fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's the power of education and what, like, even your podcast and sharing these tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so powerful because we weren't taught these things. Mm-hmm. No, and no, most no. people don't know that they should breathe from their lower diaphragm and not from their high chest, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, you're literally telling your body, like, we are in like, danger I'm by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. right now. <laughs> Which affects your voice mm-hmm. also, where you breathe from, affects your voice. It also, the message that you put out to people, whether or not you feel confident and grounded and centered, mm-hmm. or if you're a little anxious and breathing from up here. So it's like, there's all these different side effects to just even from where you breathe. It's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. We were talking about jujitsu earlier uh-huh. and I started doing this thing in jujitsu that has like completely changed my experience of it. So anytime I would go and roll like spar, I basically, I don't think about any techniques that I'm actually going to do. Mm-hmm. Like literally nothing. My mind goes blank because all I do and all I pay attention to is breathing through my nose. So nasal breathing the entire time. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it, what it does, like my experience of it is it controls the energy expenditure that I have. So there's not these like big desperate movements cause I'm not mm-hmm. like exhaling through my mouth or inhaling for that matter. Everything becomes very, very intentional. And I essentially go into a flow state because I'm just very intentional about the breathing. So every movement becomes intentional and all like the silly little things that I would do had I not been intentional Mm -hmm. go away (laughs) and it changes the entire experience of it. But I've also brought that into other areas of life, right? Mm. Just like, like while I'm working on something, I'm very intentional about the breathing while I'm coaching and I'm listening to somebody. This is going to sound weird because it's going to sound like I'm not listening to people. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what I actually do is I, I, I focus on my breath. And by focusing on my breath, it brings me very present and allows me to absorb literally everything that they're saying. And so my unconscious mind catches all of it. And then I just know how to respond because I was very intentional, very present by focusing on just nasal breathing. Mm, I love that. Do you have an anchor or like a trigger for you to remember that? You just, no, I just do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've gotten, just you've as gotten, much as possible. Yeah, I, I built I built a habit out of it. Mm-hmm. It actually started because I had another guest in the podcast. His name is uh, Jeff Banman, mm-hmm. and he is uh, I think he owns the the company Brute Force, mm-hmm. like sandbags and like training equipment yeah. with uh, with Mark Devine. Yeah, yeah. And he was telling me this like like he blew my mind on that podcast, like because he basically was telling me that for people to essentially like the one question that we're always asking ourselves, whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously is like, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And you don't intellectually tell yourself why you're safe. Like that's not going to work. You do it with your breath. Mm -hmm. So he just teaches this breathing pattern that like regulates your central nervous system and says like, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And it's the way that he does it is it's in through the nose and you expand your diaphragm as much as possible. And then you just let the breath fall out of your mouth. Now, 
for the I'll do that when I'm meditating and when I'm just like hanging out. I actually do that in the cold plunge, which changes the experience of the cold plunge. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother thing. But, <laughs> but just off that conversation, it helped me realize how important breath was. Mm-hmm. So I would do it like while I'm coaching, while I'm writing, while I'm like cooking, while I'm walking, while I'm working out. And I'll just mm-hmm. always go into that. I love it. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I like whenever I'm trying to learn a new habit. Mm-hmm. I like to attach it to something mm-hmm. so that I have a visual cue. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking about all the people who are listening right now who are focused on their breathing now, breathing in through their yeah, nose yeah, like, and out through their <laughs> <laughs> So I'm doing it. <laughs> Sometimes I'll incorporate like a candle or a scent mm-hmm. or, you know, how do I want to be if there's a new habit I'm doing? Can I use my environment to cue me? Mm-hmm. Like you said, every time I'm about to enroll, Mm-hmm. with jujitsu every time I'm on coaching. And so like, is there for those listening, it's like, is there a marker that they can then attach that pattern to and create a new habit? Cause that's mm-hmm. been really, really supportive for me is actually anchoring mm-hmm. reminders by cues in my environment. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have sometimes um, something to remind me if it's like a piece of art or something I'm embodying, I'll have some type of visual cue in my environment Mm -hmm. to remind me to lean into that new habit. Mm -hmm. And so it's less thought work. It's more my environment's set up to support the new habit that I'm wanting to do. And so you can even attach it like everyone listening, like going into your car. Okay. Focus on my breathing on Mm -hmm. this drive, you know, Mm -hmm. okay. My computer, I'm going to put a little, you know, post-it note at the bottom that says breathe, mm-hmm. you know? So. Oh yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, especially I'm, I'm glad that you brought up environment. Cause one, I've been in your space and <laughs> I know how intentional your environment is. <laughs> so, so lots of respect for that. <laughs> um, but I'm really glad that you brought that up because sometimes I'll have people mistakenly think that I have a whole bunch of willpower, which I do not. <laughs> <laughs> what I am good at is making the environment very intentional. Because if you did put a box of cookies out on my counter, they would be gone. Oh, yeah. The same day. (laughs) So so more environmental (laughs) intentionality, I think, is really important. So I'd I'd love to go more into that and actually talk about, because we were talking about this off air, which was your morning routine and how your environment plays into that and allows that to be just this flow through the morning. Yeah, yeah. And I've set it up a little bit different lately where I actually have an assistant to take the kids to school. Cause that was a, a good chunk of time, mm-hmm. but, th- and I had to readjust and recalibrate to new systems, mm-hmm. but that morning time is so precious and so important. It really, really does stack up your day. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed that with a really compressed morning, especially when I was taking the kids to school, um, I didn't have time for mm-hmm. a morning routine. I had to make my morning routine work for me. I had to wake up already in that morning routine. Mm-hmm. And so I actually started my morning routine the night before. Mm-hmm. And I would go to bed a very specific way to be problem solving as I sleep. If I had something that I was a little bit of an open loop on, mm-hmm. they would actually go to sleep expecting that I was going to wake up with solutions or clarity or that, you know, things were going to come to me to help. Mm -hmm. And so I fall asleep in a specific way. And I also play this game with myself Mm. (laughs) of, can I beat 
the alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win this time. I'm going to win. <laughs> yes. And so I actually wake up most of the time a few minutes before my alarm clock. And then I know like, okay, I'm already succeeding today. Mm-hmm. I'm in rapport with my subconscious. Mm-hmm. I'm well rested enough that my body naturally wakes up. And, and it, like I get out of bed already like checking a box mm-hmm. and it feels like success. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, then I already know, okay, today my priority is to get myself a little bit more rest. My body's tired. And so it really sets the tone for the whole morning mm. and then doing something I can write it to get into inspiration, into joy, how I want to feel. And then for me, my, my own personal like ritual mm-hmm is um to go light a candle in my kitchen so i come out of the bedroom already checking a box that i beat my alarm clock that's right you wake up a winner i I wake up a winner that's a (laughs) t-shirt that is a (laughs) t-shirt yes so i like to wake up a winner yes and then i just go out to my kitchen and i i light a candle and i pull a card Hmm. and that is what am i going to embody today what's here for me what do i what is the most important thing that I can incorporate in my day? What energy can I pull into the day? And this is something I do every single day. And, you know, it's funny because when you first said morning ritual, I'm just having this awareness right now, but when you first said morning ritual, I, I didn't think I had one. Mm. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, I just did this this morning. Yeah. I do it every single morning. <laughs> like, it's just how I spend my morning. It's not a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, it's just, it's actually become so unconscious mm-hmm. that when you said morning ritual, I thought, well, I'm not spending time in meditation. I'm not, you know, like, I, because I, my mind was coupling it with like the, the work, mm-hmm. right? Like that it's got to be hard. But I've realized I've unconsciously gamified everything. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like a quote unquote morning ritual. It's just how I start my day. That's right. Waking up a winner. That's right. Waking up a winner. <laughs> and enjoying myself. Enjoying myself. Yes. Yeah. So I, I pull a card and and this particular card deck has a lot of animal archetypal energies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I use those as a tool. I use those as a resource. Like yesterday I pulled um, a dolphin, which is representative of play and having fun. And mm-hmm. where can you be in more ease and flow? And I'm like, okay, that's probably what I need right now. And it, and it's always right on point because I do it with intention. I pull a card with intention and I just mm-hmm. let let things be what they are. And, you know, if I'm not feeling it, I just keep it in the back of my mind. Like, where can I push that edge? Where can I, where can I allow myself more play? Maybe it's something I'm not really wanting to do, mm-hmm. but I need to do. Right. Which is why and then, you're pulling that card, right? Exactly. Unconsciously, you're calling that in uh-huh. into your experience. Exactly. Because I always do it with intention before, which is like, what do I need the most today? What What can I embody today? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it'll be um, like fierceness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and it's, there are cards in there I've never, ever pulled before. And so every day it's like this interesting adventure. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I am picking up on a theme in your life, <laughs> <laughs> which is you're very playful and it seems like play is super important to yeah. you. Could you speak on like what the importance of play is and how it yeah. plays a role in our happiness, our joy and our success? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this is actually um, the importance of play is the title of a TED talk that I've done, mm. a TEDx talk. And I did not know you did that. I, I'm learning new things about you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love how you're threading this together and mm. actually bringing this to my awareness too, mm-hmm. that play is something 
super, super important to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, I just want to note that like, this is the importance and power of like reflecting with friends Mm -hmm. because people won't see the greatness in themselves. And Mm -hmm. I love that you call it out and I love to call it out and I Mm -hmm. love to encourage other people to call out what the traits and skills and things that they see in each other, because we can often mislook it. Like Mm -hmm. I had no idea that that was a theme coming up Mm -hmm. for me. Um, but back to my nonprofit days, that was a theme as well. Like people wanted to put money into, um, you know, school and education. And Mm -hmm. I was like, these kids just want to play, like just give them something for their soul, their spirit, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of hardship and a lot of survival situations. If we don't loosen ourselves up and get out of that overactive limbic survival state, we can't access our highest level thinking. Mm -hmm. We cannot access our highest level thinking when we're in a fear, fight, flight, or freeze state. Mm -hmm. And so play is not only just important for our own satisfaction of life, play is important for our achieving of our goals Mm -hmm. to solve the toughest problems. Sometimes the path is actually not through. It's actually to take a break and to get yourself into a better state. And how do we do that best? Playing. Mm -hmm. And I think about all the adults who, you know, are probably listening in and like play that doesn't like what, (laughs) but it's like, you really, really can't access from a constricted state when you're not breathing, like you said, Mm -hmm. when you're not getting fresh oxygen, when you're not moving around, your blood's not circulating. Mm -hmm. Like you literally can't access some areas of the brain. It's not turned on yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so getting yourself into more ease and flow and play, A, it's just plain fun. Mm -hmm. B, it's actually a priority. Yeah, Like it's a Mm non-negotiable if you want to, really make a lot of success make time to play yeah it's it's a human need Mm -hmm. as far as in terms of what i've observed myself and others it's a need it's not like oh that's nice it's like it is a need in order to actually function at our highest possible potential as humans and it's like what are we doing all this for right like (laughs) what's the what's the point if we're not having fun correct you know and it's like I, I only want to do things if they're fun. If they're not fun, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like they, it must be fun. If I'm yes. going to go to a conference somewhere, like let's do it outdoors. Let's have it like, let's, ha- let's have fun. Let's make it exciting. Let's like make it an adventure. People lose sight of why they want to make money. Mm-hmm. They lose sight of the reason why is because they just want to play and have fun and actually be happy. Yeah. <laughs> So like, why not just collapse that timeline? Mm-hmm. And why don't you do a little bit of that now? Mm-hmm. As, so that you <laughs> as you go. As you go. And because you can want more of that mm-hmm. from a place of having it. That's right. Versus lack. Right. Because those are the same feelings that people assume they're going to have when they have right. that money. Mm-hmm. It's like this free, joyous, like playful feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because... I, I've noticed, I mean, I've been this person as well. So when I say people, I am also people. Here. <laughs> I am people. <laughs> yes. I am people. But I like take themselves way too seriously. Yeah. And like never allow themselves to play. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, Carl Jung who was, he, he had said something about how when you can merge like the wisdom of like the mature adult or the, like the, the elder person mm-hmm. with the playfulness and curiosity of a child like 
that is when you're in like this mm. very centered state where anything becomes possible and your highest potential comes online. Yeah. Oh, I love that. If only more adults could be like kids. <laughs> I mean, really kids. If you think about like a toddler, like they or even before walking, right? Like the baby doesn't know how to walk mm-hmm. until it does. Mm-hmm. And like fall after fall, after fall, after fall, baby doesn't care. Just mm-hmm. get get up, try it again. Yeah. Try to get up, try it again. Get up, try it again. Mm-hmm. And we've lost this as mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. We fall and we go, "Oh, I'm broken." Yeah, this must mean something about me. Right. Yeah. And now I'm going to live my life mm-hmm. with this belief that I've fallen. My bit my first business didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Or she left me mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be, whatever metaphorical fall mm-hmm. that we've had in our lives. And then we keep ourselves locked there. We keep ourselves trapped there. Mm-hmm. And we forget to look forward. And we start moving forward in our life, looking back mm. at the fall. Yeah. And that's how kids are so much more powerful than adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's they right. don't do that shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because uh, when you say that, the image that comes up in my mind is like a person trying to like drive home, like only looking in the rear view mirror the yeah. entire time, which is interesting because you'll talk to somebody who doesn't allow themselves to play because mm-hmm. they have some rules or some stories about it. And they'll argue tooth and nail about why like they can't, oh, yeah. why they can't have fun, why, you know, it's not mm-hmm. allowed or it's not right or whatever the case is. <laughs> and then they think somehow some way it's going to like keep them safe not to play. Right. But it's not playing, not allowing that into your life is about as safe as driving home, staring in the rear view mirror. Exactly. (laughs) You can't get there that way. Mm -hmm. You can't get to the future that you want to create looking into the past. Mm -hmm. You just can't. It is exactly like driving, looking only in the rear view mirror. Mm -hmm. And that's what most adults don't realize what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, a part of it is for survival because it's like we've touched the pot and it was hot and we don't want to do that again right maybe don't play that game yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) like oh falling in love that was fun until it wasn't never do that again yeah right hold on (laughs) yeah yeah that 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 was a hot pot never gonna touch it again right (laughs) so we try to avoid that pain again Mm -hmm. we try to oh no that hurt once i don't want to do it again so what do we do we carry it with us Mm -hmm. and then because we're focusing on I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. What do we end up attracting? More of that. More of that. <laughs> yeah, whatever <laughs> because that is Because we're focused for you. on it. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, and then we end up creating the same past for ourselves. We mm-hmm. end up creating more situations that confirm what we already believe to be true. Oh, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, X, Y, Z. All the stories. Yeah. All the stories, right? Mm-hmm. Just rinse and repeat create a new circumstance to prove it even more. And then adults will have so many circumstances Mm -hmm. that confirm and re-solidify this poor belief about themselves because they're unconsciously focusing on it. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then that grows their identity. Mm -hmm. It's exactly that. One thing that, you know, you and I, I'm sure we teach it in our own ways mm-hmm. is uh, about the reticular activating system, the RAS yeah. in, the, in the mind and 
how it essentially filters everything that we notice in the world because of a principle called perception is projection. Mm-hmm. We also both yes. teach and use. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and essentially it is saying that your outside world is a reflection of what is internal and that you mm-hmm. cannot see or notice anything that is not you in anyone and anything. Mm-hmm. You're always seeing yourself in every single person, every situation, every event, every circumstance. You're seeing yeah. yourself. Yeah. And the way that we filter what we actually notice because there's you know, an infinite number of things we could possibly notice. Mm-hmm. So we filter it based on what that RAS is telling us yeah. is the thing to grab onto. And so like, well, what triggers that? It's whatever you emotionally engage in. So right. if you're emotionally engaging in this story that you're not enough, that you mm-hmm. can't do this or can't do that, or that you don't have the resources to do this thing that you've always wanted to do, then that is what you're going to notice yep. time 100%. and time again. Uh huh. And what's so fascinating too is when you actually direct your mind mm-hmm. to look for the deleted evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, say you have you have a belief system, mm-hmm. and you have all of these different life circumstances that confirm that belief system, and so that belief system is alive. And you're always looking for ways to confirm it. That belief system doesn't necessarily want to die, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually, I gamify this as well. Mm, Of course you do. (laughs) I gamify this as well. It's like, what if, has that ever not been the case? Mm. Okay, then your brain starts looking. It's like calculating, calculating. Oh, there's this one circumstance, Mm -hmm. right? That would have otherwise been deleted. Mm -hmm. That information was not to the front and center. It was in the periphery Mm -hmm. until you start looking for it. When you, when people start looking for the reasons to not believe their belief system, mm-hmm. it creates an opening. Yes. Maybe this hasn't always been true for me. Mm-hmm. Has it ever not been that way? Mm-hmm. Just some questions to ask yourself. And then it's like, it's like typing it into a search engine. Your brain's just going to start populating. Mm-hmm. And then what you can also do is, is this true for other people? Mm-hmm. Does that person have that problem? Okay, interesting. Or that limitation. Okay, so maybe it's, if it's not true for everyone, could it not be true for me? Mm. And then flexing that muscle and pushing that edge and, and, and wanting to gamify it, going, okay, let's see if I can prove that this isn't true. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can prove to myself that maybe I am a good speaker. Maybe I am going to do well in my next business. Let's let's just see Mm -hmm. to question your mind because our minds, just like you said, the reticular activation system Mm -hmm. are so designed to look for things Mm -hmm. and delete the other information Mm -hmm. until we go hunting for it. That's right. Uh The deleted evidence. That's brilliant. I like that a Mm -hmm. lot. Uh, What you're saying here reminds me of actually a practice that I have. So... Mm -hmm. There was a time where I would do affirmations, but then I realized there's something that is infinitely more powerful than Mm -hmm. affirmations. And it's actually just very clear questions Mm -hmm. because affirmations, at least what I've noticed is they can work well, but they're not activating all the potential that you can possibly have in finding the evidence for what you wish to affirm or what you intend to affirm. Mm -hmm. So what I've noticed is that instead of an affirmation, because an affirmation is a sentence, it's a statement. Right. And a statement essentially is a closed loop. Yep. It's conclusive. It's Mm -hmm. like, I am this. 
It's like, that's great. You can affirm that all you want, but then you're closing the loop as to what is possible. So instead, I'll ask myself this question every single day. As I always say, how did life come to be so perfect? Why is life so perfect? And then my RAS looks for it in everything constantly mm-hmm. because I ask it every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that practice alone will change so many people's lives if they start doing that every morning. Yeah, that I mean, and question. using their environment, right? Like mm-hmm. put that on your mirror. Yeah. Put it on your mirror. It, like look in the mirror every morning and have that question already there. Mm-hmm. That alone will change so many people's life because just like you said, our brains now know what to focus on. That's right. I like to think of our brains as like toddlers Mm -hmm. running around with scissors. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let your brain just go unmanaged. Yeah. Like, give it a job. (laughs) Exactly. Give it something to focus on. Otherwise, shit's going to get crazy. It'll find something. (laughs) It'll find something. (laughs) Yeah. It's not always the most constructive thing. Uh, No, because it's essentially being guided by the unconscious at that point. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, what haven't we thought about in 10 years? Great. Oh, let me bring that up. (laughs) the worst second what's happen? that time that i just really said something stupid in second grade let me bring that up and Let's feel bring- all those emotions again <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh which you know feeling emotions mm-hmm. that's another thing that we can um encourage as well it's like yes i actually am very glad that you're bringing this up mm-hmm. around feeling our feelings or feeling our emotions mm-hmm. what's the importance of that the importance of feeling the emotions it's A, they're connected to our thoughts, Mm -hmm. just like you mentioned. Oh, let's think about this one circumstance Mm -hmm. a long time ago, and let's ruminate on that. Mm -hmm. And then there's an emotion associated with it, right? It's like that initial push of a snowball down a hill, like a thought is that initial snowball. Mm -hmm. And then that snowball can get bigger with like the emotion that we have, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like the fuel is the emotion. And a lot of people just kind of want to shut it off mm-hmm. and get disconnected because maybe that pot, that metaphorical pot that they touched was so hot that they decided, I'm just not going to be in my body anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, I'm just that's gonna, the solution. I'm, yes. <laughs> I'll just leave. <laughs> and I'm checking out <laughs> yeah. and I'm just going to not feel. Yeah. <laughs> like how many people are just like feeling fatigue and at mm-hmm. work and like don't give their body a break. You know, mm-hmm. there's like the body, it's, it's needs. But then there's our emotional needs right? Mm -hmm. Like our emotional needs. And if there's things that we haven't been feeling, Mm -hmm. A, it's usually connected to a thought or a memory that hasn't been processed all the way through. And B, feelings are not going to kill you. Mm -hmm. As bad and as painful and as awful as they may be, feelings will come on like a wave and they will pass. Mm -hmm. They cannot stay the same intensity for that long it's like again we are evolving beings we are always growing we are always changing the only thing consistent is change even a painful emotion can't stay the same that's right so it'll come on like a wave and it'll get stronger and then it'll dissipate Mm -hmm. it always dissipates it's true it comes on like Mm -hmm. come like a bell curve like Mm -hmm. a wave like you're saying uh one one of my clients slash students uh, actually you and i both know her i'm sure she'll appreciate the shout out but yeah. uh heno la placa and she she does this the presence process with um her business partner leslie who they were both in the recent training that we had mm-hmm. and they were saying something 
that is really, really key with this example is they were saying that an emotion that you feel or a feeling, it lasts up to 90 seconds. Mm. Anything after that, you're in story. Ah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. In fact versus story mm-hmm. alone is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And when we start telling ourselves that story, we're just kind of in this re-traumatization loop, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep punching myself in the face. Yes. <laughs> right? Let's just do that. Let's just do that. That yeah. feels like it's necessary. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what, yeah. what I find really interesting too about like that wave is that mm-hmm. typically what will happen is like people will stop that wave before it has mm-hmm. fully gone through. Yes. So they'll have a bunch of like half-baked emotions that haven't fully actually processed that at least that I've noticed that stacks in the system Mm -hmm. and becomes like this emotional block for for people totally which is fascinating because they'll keep stopping it and they'll engage in what I call the delusion of expediency where they're essentially just bypassing the negative emotion to get to the positive one yep and so they have all these half-baked emotions that still need to cycle and they wonder why that there's so many things come up or why they they're getting triggered it's because that thing that you didn't let yourself feel 10 years ago is still trying to express itself. Right. Right. Yep. It, it, it just compounds in the system and you know, that which we resist will persist. Mm -hmm. And I got, I got a little add on to that. Uh What is fully felt will melt. Ah, I like that. (laughs) Perfect. I like this little play. Yeah. We're just, you know, we're we're also freestyle rappers uh, (laughs) on our spare time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's so true because it's like, when we don't, when we do the bypass, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just not going to feel this. And mm-hmm. people bypass in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being, I'm not going to feel this emotion. Oh, I just, I don't care. Mm-hmm. When it's really something that you care about mm-hmm. and there's really something there for you, but mm-hmm. you just don't want to feel it. That's when I tell people like, just lean in, give yourself five minutes, give yourself 10 minutes, mm-hmm. give yourself as long as you need but you said 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes. <laughs> that, might be, that might be good too. Give yeah. it 90 seconds. Yeah. If you get really present to it, it yeah. won't take any longer than that. Right. And, you know, my one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo, mm-hmm. she, she likes to say, can you make it bigger? Mm-hmm. Like that thing that you're avoiding, can you actually make it bigger? Can you feel more anxious? Mm-hmm. Like just do it on purpose. Yeah. And what that does is it switches the control. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. Anxiety is not in control i'm in control that's right i'm in control of the anxiety because i can if i can make it bigger then i can also make it smaller that's right right Mm -hmm. so the the feelings alone aren't gonna hurt you as as much as it may feel like that Mm -hmm. but what will hurt you Mm -hmm. is it not being expressed Mm -hmm. because that suppression in the system just like you said it's like a it's like a pressure release valve. Like mm-hmm. when, when a Instapot has yeah. been to cook a pressure cooker has been fully fired on. It's just that pressure created mm-hmm. in the system. And then you end up blowing up at small stuff that doesn't mm-hmm. really matter because why the system just needs to process it through. Yeah. And so when you do it on purpose, it is literally that pressure release mm-hmm. valve and you can do it with intention. You can do it on purpose and in a really good way of actually gaining even more of the wisdom and the gifts in tough situations, just like you said, with not having money sometimes Mm -hmm. was a gift. That's right. Right. So for people who are notice a trigger, they, they know a thing that bothers them or something that repeats that really sets them off. 
It's like, okay, when's the first time you've ever felt that? And what were the gifts in that situation? A, what needs to be felt Mm -hmm. that hasn't been felt that's compounded in the system? And B, what were the gifts of that quote unquote problem? Mm. What can you see now that you couldn't then? Oh, we were just kids. Mm. I was taking it personal. They didn't mean it. You know, or, oh man, I'm even glad that I had friends and a whole pack to roam the neighborhood with at eight, you know what I mean? Just Mm -hmm. as an example. Um, But when we can look back at situations of our past through our adult lens now, Mm -hmm. knowing what we know now, our consciousness level now, going back to some of the stuff back in the past Mm -hmm. with these eyes, Mm-hmm. And go, okay, what was great about that? What was perfect about that that I may not have seen? Mm-hmm. How did this help me? How did this equip me? What did I learn from that? That's and right. is there any emotion I need to process through? Mm-hmm. That's been life-changing. Oh, absolutely. I, I was listening to this book this morning, and one of the things that they said in there that I thought was really interesting is that when your mind brings up memories from your past, the purpose is for revision because every time you think about a past memory, you're actually changing it whether you intend to or not. Mm. And sometimes I think what will happen is somebody will think about a past memory and they'll think, why do I keep thinking this thought? It's like, I don't know because you haven't revised it since you were seven. (laughs) 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 That's why. (laughs) Because it's stuck at the intellect at seven years old in the system and it needs a software update. Exactly. (laughs) That's why it keeps coming. (laughs) Yes. You're getting the notification like software needs updating. (laughs) (laughs) Software needs updating. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Now, every time I have a memory that pops up, yeah. I'm going to be like, oh, that software needs updating. Yeah. Okay, what do I need to revisit from that? Exactly. What do I need where, to where, where are you using Windows 95? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a fruitful question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So just like our future and our goals and our relationship to our goals, our relationship with money, everything moving forward needs updating and new relationships. Same thing with our past. Mm-hmm. Our past can be rewritten. That's right. By means of our thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And we don't experience, like our body chemistry reacts to what we're thinking of. Mm -hmm. So our body doesn't know if this is something that's happening now, Mm -hmm. if it's something that's happened in the past, or if it's a worst case scenario that we're thinking of in the future. Mm -hmm. Our body is going to react as if it's now. That's right. And so when we're revisiting when we're getting those little software notifications and playing the same story, mm-hmm. we're actually reliving that experience in the way that we don't want it mm-hmm. over and over again. So then it becomes vital to update the software. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna have some real buggy code. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it It's interesting because all that exists is the present. So your yeah. body naturally is going to think that this is what's happening, happening now, now, unless you of course choose to change how you're responding to that same memory or whatever, it is, whatever it is that's coming up. It reminds me, like I once had a, a, a guest on the show and he said, you know, we were talking about the present moment and all that. And he goes, well, is what if there were, what about time travel? It's like when, when there's time travel, like then what do you say about the present? I'm like, I don't know. You're just going to time travel to another present moment, but you're still going to be there. It's still going to be <laughs> yeah, you. Still the present. <laughs> yeah. It's, like that doesn't make a difference <laughs> at all. <laughs> Well, it's and still that, a present for you. And yeah. so therefore anything you're feeling and thinking in that moment is like what your body and mind think is real right now. Totally. So. Yeah. I believe we already can time travel. And that is 
the vehicle is really our thinking. Mm-hmm. Because Do it like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for sport. Yeah, just for sport. <laughs> right, for funsies. <laughs> just going to rewrite my own history. Yes. You know, I actually rewrote my money story and I recognized that all of the lack that I had, all of the upbringing, my relationship with money, I realized that there was another component actually than just my thinking, Mm -hmm. which was really my nervous system. Mm. Like my nervous system had a relationship with money. Mm. Just like you said earlier about always like, do I feel safe? Mm. That's the primary question. Do I feel safe right now? Do I Mm. feel safe? It's always running in the background, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. We're always putting energy into it. And the more we put more energy into it when we don't feel safe, it's a huge energy drain, right? I didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. in abundant atmospheres mm. for a long time. Wow. I was working um, in interior design and I felt like a fish out of water because mm. I hadn't reached that level of success on my own that I was witnessing, that I was around. Mm-hmm. My nervous system didn't, like I didn't even, the quality of the textures that like really, really high-end hotels would make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I remember flying a private jet with a nonprofit that I worked with and I was in the private jet terminal and it was like uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like my body, my actual body didn't have a relationship with abundance. So then mm-hmm. I started modulating it. I started like training it. Mm-hmm. It was like most people, you know, okay, we've got a game. We've got to train for the game. For me, my game was abundance. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be abundant. Yeah, I want to know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I know that I can't create it if I don't even know what it feels like. If I'm not in touch with what it feels like. So I started planting myself in environments that made me a little uncomfortable Mm. on purpose. It was the intentional problem, Mm -hmm. the problem on purpose. I made myself uncomfortable because I knew that if I'm not, if my nervous system is not comfortable with this, I am never going to have it. I'm going to look for ways to deploy it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to gamble it Mm -hmm. because it makes me uncomfortable. And there's a lot of people out there that actually do that because they just don't have the capacity Mm -hmm. to hold a level of abundance. And that's a nervous system training thing. Oh, you just blew my mind right there (laughs) because I just realized I was like, I, I was envisioning you in those environments and not f- and feeling like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Michelle was probably not breathing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like at all. What she was telling her body, this is not safe. None of this. Get it away from me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. therefore you'd push it away in your life. And totally. the moment you had, like you said, it's a nervous system thing. Mm-hmm. That is the first time I really understood that relative to environment yeah. and abundance. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's more, more depth to the awareness of mm-hmm. like, that's what, that's what unconsciously I was realizing I was doing is training myself to breathe, mm-hmm. training my body to be comfortable in, in places that, that were pushing my edge mm-hmm. that made my comfort zone feel safe. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do some breathing practices in a private jet or something. Yeah, I highly <laughs> recommend it. It's so fun. <laughs> like, can I just go inside? I don't want to fly anywhere. I just want to sit. <laughs> well, when one thing I did that was really, really beneficial mm-hmm. was I was had a friend who was just really abundant. Mm-hmm. And Brooke Castillo, founder of the Life Coach School, mm-hmm. she her goal, she has a very public goal of making $100 million a year in her business. Mm-hmm. Like that's what she, and so that for me, A, her, the way that she would talk about money was so different. Mm. 
her relationship with money was so different. But also I told her, hey, this is really uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to work on this. Like mm-hmm. I want to like get more comfortable with it. And so creating that goal for myself and then stating it to a friend, mm-hmm. like if people have, if people are recognizing this within themselves, like, oh, wow, yeah, I actually do feel really uncomfortable at that one friend's nice house. Mm. Like, I always get a little awkward there because I don't feel like I'm enough. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know what? Tell them that. Say, hey, I'm working on, like, getting used to this. I'm working on getting more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And see if they'll participate with you. Mm-hmm. Like, what I've done with friends is, like, yeah, come stay in the guest house. Like soak this shit in. Like, yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy it. it. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Allow yourself to receive, mm-hmm. even from abundant friends. And that's what you've done so well, which is like being happy for the abundance of your friends and see and being able to witness it. Mm-hmm. You've actually opened up your own capacity to receive it because you've opened up your capacity to witness it and have gratitude for it. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that like that's a major tool. That is. And that's amazing. I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> so thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also what people can do with relationships. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will not want to be around things that they don't have because it reminds them that they don't have it. Mm. When really what they should be doing is being around it as much as possible. Mm. Like it's homework. Like I'll, I'm going to be around all the happy couples that I possibly can. Why? Because I want to be a happy couple. Mm. You need to know what that looks like. You need to know what that feels like. You need to know, have an example, have something to model. Mm-hmm. It's all about resonance of your energy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You become that which your environment is a lot of times. Because you adapt to your environment. Mm-hmm. We were saying in the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like we said earlier, we're, we're always growing. Mm-hmm. But growth doesn't necessarily have to hurt either. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are designed to have challenges. We're always looking for some type of challenge, some type of threat, right? Mm-hmm. So we can design that into our lives. However, we are going to become our environment. So when you have outgrown your environment, it's much like a tree. Mm-hmm. Like the tree doesn't hurt just growing, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because it has space. Mm-hmm. But when it doesn't have space to grow, if it's in a container, then growth becomes painful. Mm. You ever have a pair of shoes that don't fit well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like growth doesn't have to be painful if you intentionally continue to put yourself in bigger containers where your growth is not met by a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Then you can continue your growth without pain. <laughs> That's amazing. You just reminded me there's a plant in my office that I need to repot because <laughs> it, it is like way too big for like the pot that it's in. And funny enough, it was a gift from a client. It is a, I think it's a money plant of some sort, or I think that's like, that was her intention or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, is that a metaphor? <laughs> I like that metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on what story you're telling yourself right. about exactly. it. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to repot that plant anyway, just because just, just of this <laughs> conversation. So Your it, money is growing it outside will, of its... It, it will have a new, <laughs> yeah. a new home, so to speak. <laughs> um, this is really interesting. And there, there's one more topic that I want to visit with you. Mm-hmm. Something that we were talking about in the beginning. And I'll start, I'll segue it with this, um, because this is something that I've learned about abundance, is that 
when you can feel, so I learned this lesson actually in relationship. So before I met my girlfriend, what I, the experience that I had like two weeks before is I was able to feel, I was able to be alone without being lonely. Mm. And the moment that that happened, two weeks later we met. Mm. And so I transferred this over to abundance and money and wealth and all that fun stuff. It's like the, when you can feel abundant without material yeah. abundance, yeah. then you will be able to bring it in yes. easily yes. and effortlessly. 100%. And this whole theme, I think, segues into this next thing really well, which is this idea of filling one's bucket, mm-hmm. being able to fill your bucket before you try and get the world to fill it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of our challenges and things that we suffer about or have stories about are typically us trying to get the world to fill our bucket for us mm-hmm. and pretending that we don't know how to do it ourselves. <laughs> so I have this principle that I teach in Zen Stoic, which is called be the source of what you seek to experience. Mm. And what's interesting is this topic came up when I was teaching a segment in the recent training that we did called conscious selling. Mm-hmm. And in order to be able to deliver and experience conscious selling when you were selling a program or a product or service to somebody the way that essentially what conscious selling is is it is a form of doing sales in which you prioritize the building of emotional currency with the person that you're with Mm. emotional currency is essentially allowing a person to feel safe heard understood seen and admired in your presence Mm. and when you can build enough emotional currency then a person will be comfortable giving you actual currency, actual Mm -hmm. fiat currency, because you've created that. Now, the way to actually do this, the way to actually be able to build emotional currency is if you go in to a sales call or anything like that, and you have not filled your own bucket, then you will unconsciously try to get them to fill your bucket. Mm -hmm. If you really perceive that you need the money, then you are going to be essentially money hungry on the phone. If you need the validation that somebody... Um, approves of your program or they like your program or they like you then you will that will come out on the phone yes totally (laughs) leaky energy right very leaky needy energy yeah (laughs) leaky needy energy so in order to actually create emotional currency the first step is to fill your own bucket first Mm -hmm. and if you can Mm -hmm. fill your bucket if you understand how to do that for yourself right and you know what it is that allows you to feel full Mm -hmm. then you are serving from a full bucket rather than an empty one yes filling yourself up first Mm -hmm. I just keep seeing this picture of like a chalice, like overflowing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that is the overflow. That's how we can help fill other people up because most people aren't feeling seen, heard, acknowledged, accepted, listened to at Mm -hmm. all. And so we can show up even through our sales going like, Hey, I'm complete. Mm -hmm. And this is also a metaphor for relationships. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm complete. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? Yeah. And if that other person is complete too in a relationship sense, mm-hmm. then there's, you know, a huge amplification of what can be done. And because neither person is looking for the other person to quote unquote complete them because they Correct. are complete and whole mm-hmm. as it is. Just even the thought alone of like people walking around looking for somebody else to complete them is such a lack mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not good enough as they are. Yes. And you reaching that place where you fill your bucket and you become whole. Mm-hmm. You don't need anything. You don't want anything. 
And what's interesting is that people will want to give you what you want, what you, what just more, Mm -hmm. because you being whole is an energetic signature and vibration that can help other people. It pulls them into their wholeness by you seeing them, acknowledging them, reminding them of their greatness. Mm -hmm. They fill themselves up a little bit. And then there's one more person who's feeling a little bit more filled up, a little bit more whole. Mm -hmm. And then their next interaction improves. And then their next interaction improves. And it's like it is this ripple effect. That's right. And so I really truly believe that that exercise alone of just really going out and filling your bucket Mm -hmm. So that how you show up on sales, you're not focused on, you know, your own stuff, but really coming to a place of service mm-hmm. is what can really help shift a lot of things and also make a lot of people a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. It's so yeah, people, being able to, you know, serve from a full bucket or full yeah. chalice and yeah. that metaphor uh-huh. is is essentially what we want to aim for. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you do that, like you said, you don't want you don't get into that conversation wanting or needing anything. And mm-hmm. you can actually genuinely practice enlightened self-interest where you for that container of that conversation can put the other person's needs completely first because all of yours are met before right. you've even gotten on the phone call. Right. 100%. And the other segue from this is another one of our conversations is uh, we're talking about how people who are in a teaching role often want to be like top dog and always be on top and mm-hmm. essentially have a, a sense of superiority over their students or whoever it is that they're talking to. <laughs> so one of the reasons why I find this interesting, especially with this conversation as well, is that people who are in an authority or a teaching role, if they are not, if they don't understand how to fill their own bucket or they're not doing it, then they're going to try to get the students to fill their bucket by right. being and posturing themselves in right. such a way. And one, one of the things that I find interesting about that is that ever since I really focused on filling my own, my ability to teach and do it from a place of like abundance and sovereignty and creating a lot more relatability with my students Mm -hmm. has like dramatically changed. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that is that an authority or a guru or an influencer of any kind only gets their authority from the people who give it to them. Yes. Yep. And if one could teach instead from a full cup, yeah, yeah, then it would change the dynamic entirely. A hundred percent. Yeah, and and you know it makes people feel safe mm-hmm. to have someone that's authentic and real and focused on them instead of posturing, like you said. Yeah. You know, and I think people can kind of like people intuitively know. But I think at the same time, everybody's looking for somebody to tell them what to do mm-hmm. because it's easier than actually looking within. And that's something I have to say, Victor, that you do so brilliant, brilliantly mm. is that you truly, truly encourage people to be their own source of their power. Mm. And that's I've been to a lot of trainings. I've studied from a lot of quote unquote gurus. And that's something absolutely exceptional about you specifically is that you truly do point people and direct people inward that they are their own guru and mm. true empowerment by example. And so I just want to say that as like your absolute genius is really truly feeding people their own power and directing them inward to themselves and not to, you know, the teacher necessarily because you are 
whole because you know what you need and you fill yourself up so you don't need validation from them. It's really, truly remarkable service. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I receive that fully. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I yeah. truly, truly appreciate you saying that. Yeah. And it's, I think that you're really... It's my the, exact intention. Yeah. I think that, you know, everybody who's in sales needs to go check out mm-hmm. that process mm-hmm. and really learn how to do it because you do it remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I, wow, (laughs) I really felt that. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I have a couple more questions before we wrap Mm -hmm. up. Um, The first one is if people are interested in learning more about you, Mm -hmm. where can they find you? They can find me at Mm victory2victory.com and also at Michelle Dillard, the Michelle Dillard.com. Beautiful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And my last question is, what does it mean to you to live a liberated life? Mm. To be able to play mm. as often and as much as possible. That's right. And play is the most direct path to desiring from having. Because mm-hmm. you already have everything that you want in those moments. And most of the time, people just want to play. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute honor.